The Naughty Mystic with your host, Jenny Benson. Today, we're going to talk about bees and dandelion plants that attract bees. Now, I'm not talking about wasps and yellow jackets. They will, of course, come along too. (laughs) But I really want to talk about bees like honeybees and bumblebees. That's really my, my main thing that I want to talk about because I think we all should be aware of a few things about our planet. For those that are not aware, uh, maybe you didn't grow up in the country or you don't know anything about pollination out into the world about our food, but if we lose our bee population... We are screwed as a human race. We really are. It's not just because we're going to get honey from the honeybees, but those are really our bigger pollinators. I mean, birds can pollinate and the wing can help pollinate, but really the bees going in for the nectar and for the pollen are really what creates our food sources out there, whether it's on a tree or a bush or in individual plants. And if we lose that, we really are screwed. So people who don't understand that, we really need to have people aware, become aware, because it is a really big deal. Such a big deal. There is a place in, I think it's called Oracle, Arizona. It's outside of Tucson in the desert and it's called the biosphere number two. It was created I think late 80s early 90s I'd have to double check the actual year but I think they did the experiment from 91 to 93 and the whole experiment was to see if people could thrive on Mars. It was like a test run to see if we could survive on Mars. So there was strict guidelines and they had different uh, situations for different growing abilities and everything had to be used and how it is it even feasible and one of the things that they had decided was for a pollinator because they were going to produce their own food for the two years they were going to use bees and they were going to use hummingbirds none of those survived at the end of the two years because there was hardly any UV ray lights coming through the glass panels because that's how they figured that out. And it, it was throwing the bees off. So much so that they were going into the very few areas that there was UV light coming through. And it, they would smash into the glass. The hummingbirds were having, I don't know if they were having the same issue, but they were dying too. So they had to by the end, there was such low biodiversity. Anyone that was in in there because I think there was like six to eight people. I Again, I'd have to look or you can look it up yourself. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Whoever was there was having to literally hand uh, pollinate things so they could produce fruit, vegetables, whatever. So the biodiversity like shrunk so down low after that two-year experiment that some people didn't consider it a success that even though they were able to reproduce, use everything, um, and repurpose everything, the issue was how are we going to pollinate things unless we hand pollinate. You know, pollinate these things. (laughs) That is is a concern and we have actual uh, a study 
you know, and you can look into the uh, more information. But when I personally went there for the bio, the biosphere to see in person, I was blown away by that because I was like, wait a minute, what? How are you going to live without having bees? <laughs> so, you know, that is something that you may want to look into someday. Okay, so bees are important, basically. <laughs> is what the Biosphere 2 in Arizona fully reminded us as a human society, right? So moving forward, what's the difference between honeybees and bumblebees? Again, I'm not going to talk about yellow jackets or wasps or anything like that. And if you are allergic to bees, I apologize. (laughs) in advance but this is the importance of why bees are important and if you are allergic to bees I totally understand it if you don't work outside or you don't have huge gardens or you have somebody else work on your garden I totally get that a honeybee has a lifespan of 30 to 60 days versus a bumblebee is 28 days when they go into hibernation the queen of a honeybee uh, population has females that are the workers and they have males that are the drones. When you're talking about a, a bumblebee, the bumblebee has the queen, but she's she goes to winterize by herself. And even though they all use nectar, and they but the honeybee actually breaks it down into honey in their process of things. Whereas the bumblebee uses, what do they call that? The nectar, but they, they store it because they eat it so fast. That's part of their, their food. And they will eat pollen and they will eat, they both will eat nectar, pollen, and honey. Just bumblebees do not create honey. It's the honeybees that create honey. Another thing that they're all great for pollination because they're going to go to trees, to bushes, to fruit, to vegetables, flowering things. But one of the good things about all of this, or I, okay, maybe I'm biased, (laughs) is that you want to diversify in your, if you're going to have gardens or if you're going to have potted plants, if you can do the most variety that you can, depending on your situation, the better off you'll be. Meaning, you want to have some annuals, you want to have some perennials. If you have a yard, you're going to want to make sure that you have flowering bushes and flowering trees. If you're more limited in space, uh, you can put things in pots, and they can be annuals and perennials. I've seen gardens where the whole thing is all done in pots. You would never know it because of the way that they planted it, and you want things that are going to last throughout the season. Okay. So, and, and plants in general that you're going to use to bump up the bee population depends on where you're located, um, in the world, because not everything grows in the same zone. I'm going to give for, again, more of the Northern, Northern states. I mean, you can grow this in the South, but again, it all really depends, right? Where, it thrives better. It's always good to have like trees and bushes that are 
are going to be like dogwoods or magnolias or lilacs or rhododendrons or I'm just trying to think of bushes right now. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if you have your own perennials or annuals and herbs, because not everything is perennial in herbs. It doesn't have to be. You can have like creeping thyme that you're going to walk on or have a specific area in your garden so you don't have to worry about grass because nothing else grows there. Or you can have different kinds of perennial salvias and sages. And sage is the is the general term of a family because there's herbs that you're going to talk about with sage there's uh bush types of sage that are perennial that are like hardier out, out west and I'm, I'm referring to the united states right now i'm thinking of all the annual salvias or the perennial salvias or the herbs in the sage families you can look in look these things on Google, you can take classes, you can get a master gardener, you can learn about it in many different ways. But you know, if you have a spread, like annual sweet alyssum, or uh, California poppies can be considered an annual some places and other places it's considered a perennial. That is great for collections. Um, I personally like to have something like snapdragons or delphiniums for the for the height thing delphiniums you know if you cut them back after they bloom the first time they will rebloom and you want to have a variety that's going to start off in the spring to go all the way to the fall if you're going to do gardens or pots meaning like asters are perfect in late August through October till there's the freeze for the bee population. So they keep on having a continuous part nectar just to for honey. You know, that's why the bees are collecting the nectar depending on where you're getting your honey. And by the way, there's a difference, a big, huge difference. You're always going to want to get raw honey local. I think it's a 20, 20 to 30 mile radius from where you live, but you want to find where you can get it local and you want it raw. You don't want, if you can help it, to get it from the store unless you know actually the beekeepers that are creating the honey that you're selling at the store. If you're going to get just some no name, you know, slap on the label, hey, this is honey more than likely it's going to have corn syrup in it and it's not even real honey when i say real honey i mean the raw version that's what i mean but you want to like look into it because honey usually when you buy it at a at a regular grocery store doesn't have all the nutrients in it because honey itself is a antifungal anti think it's an antimicrobial I'm gonna have to look that up but antifungal antibacteria I mean back in the day they used to put honey on wounds and cuts because it would prevent getting an infection and I'm like that is awesome <laughs> how cool is that like okay we don't have I don't I don't know how far back in time that they used that. I'd have to look and investigate. But, I mean, just slap some honey on yourself and, hey, there you go. <laughs> not a doctor. I'm not going to sit here and recommend it. Again, not a doctor. <laughs> but honey has so many wonderful purposes, right, that when the bees create it. And when you get it from your raw honey provider, 
the honey that you purchased done like in early spring is going to completely taste different than what's during the middle of the spring at the end of middle of spring the early spring middle of summer end of summer into fall i actually did this a couple years ago i have a local honey provider that i go to her house and get it or meet her at a farmer's market i purchased some for different people but i bought little containers because I wanted to try the different seasons and boy is there a different taste because of what's out blooming which leads me into dandelions let's talk about dandelions for a second I know for some people dandelions are the bane of their existence those that love grass that they want to see green grass for miles to end but dandelions are really our friends and they're the friends of our bee people and early insect anyone that needs food that we want in our biodiversity because I don't think I mentioned this in the spring anywhere where you're gonna have yard debris meaning like leaves coming off deciduous trees in the fall uh, I'm not talking about the big pieces of branches or from the trees I'm talking about like really all the the yard waste that you want to clear out and clean up the good rule of thumb of that is seven consecutive 50 degree weather 50 degree Fahrenheit or above but it has to be seven consecutive days I don't know about you, but here in Michigan, we just had a little bit of snow the other day, and we also had, um, and I know people in North Dakota, and they just had so much snow they couldn't even get out of their house. And we're in April, people. <laughs> so Mother Nature is still throwing that stuff out. Now, I know in warmer climates, you've been paying attention to this, and you can clear it out, but I know those 60, 70 degree days that are the, the tempting of Mother Nature laughing at us, ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> um, we, we don't want to get rid of that because we have all a whole, not biosphere, but biodiverse uh, ecosystem going on underneath those leaves and in those debris. And we want to keep that going and, and don't take them away before time because because those are all the good bugs, you know, those are all the ones that are going to eat all of what we consider the bad bugs. And, and we don't want to get rid of those. Another thing about uh, dandelions, about timing, because I'll tell you all about how good the dandelions are. Timing of dandelions, you really don't want to mess with them until like mid, mid-May, late May to really get them out of your yard. If you're really bee conscious because, or good insects in general because it's really one of the first things that there is pollen and nectar for everybody to eat off of so it's a really good source of food for all the good bugs not just bees but all the good bugs and you want to have a really good ecosystem going on where you live if you have the opportunity to have a little bit of a patio or a rooftop or a, a little porch even you know because if you can even with pots you can create your own depending on how much sun you get or what time of the day you you can have your own little ecosystem and you want to have things that are going to bring in the bees so we can pollinate we want that stuff we want food I don't know about you but I I won't be able to have fruits and vegetables and 
herbs. <laughs> yeah, because even like the tops, like when I when I think about pollination with with uh, bees, I'm always thinking like those puffs of the the chives and the garlics, you know, the really pretty purples and whites. I mean, they're yummy to eat. You can eat them, but but I'm always thinking about the bees. <laughs> Because it's like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what dandelions are best, they can help the soil in really bad situations. Meaning, they're things that can grow when the soil is so compact, it's so hard, that the roots will let you, help you, you know, loosen that up. So they are really good. One of those interesting things about when you try to dig out the dandelion root, if you don't, even if you get to the very bottom of it, you may still have it coming up two to three times in size or than what you already had because it's not, dandelions are not going to go away until you actually properly take care of your soil. Isn't that a little interesting fact? I mean, because you, you don't have the calcium. So when it breaks down, the leaves will, will compost into the soil, make the soil improve. But in, until you clean up the, the soil, like if you want to have a bed or whatever, it, it's still going to be coming up. Dandelions are going to still be coming until you improve your own soil situation. Yeah, and they have pollen and nectar, which I think I already said. But they're also edible for people. They used to be considered the honey or gold of the poor because the flowers are so sweet that you can make jam sauces and salad out of them. Dandelions really are friends. Dandelions really are our friends. <laughs> they're our friends for our ecosystems outside. That I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Bees, dandelions, pollinating our ecosystems, whether they're small or big. I hope you understand and appreciate what our nature represents and how that actually really does interact, you know, with our daily lives, even if you live in a city and you don't think it does. It really does. So I hope you get curious Maybe to look into some of the things I've mentioned. Maybe you were like having an aha moment. But remember, curiosity is a good thing. <laughs>